When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, yes, Longcat Media presents Madame Magenta, Sonos Mystica, Chapter 23. Greetings, fans of the esoteric. It is I, Magenta, and the other one, Bernard. Hello. Yes, there we go. So we're actually nearing the end of the book, really. Uh, we're on page 140, and there's only um, 199 pages. Oh, and that includes the thank yous at the end. So I think... We're about three quarters of the way through then, aren't we? I think more than that, really. Good Lord. So I think, really, we should just barrel onwards. Let's do it, shall yes. we? Yes. And so, uh, as before, Bernard's got a, a large part this time. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the book, uh, So, uh, you'll be playing Bernard. Oh, yes. I think I can stretch to that. Yes. You know, I really should have thought of that at the beginning, but never mind, never mind. You know, the, when we started this audiobook. Yes, yes. It should have occurred to me that Bernard should play Bernard. Well, really. that's all right. We, we, we do it from now on. Yes. And you're also playing Fazir. Yes. Yes. That is more of a stretch, I will admit. But I, I'm doing Fazir in a, in a Scouse accent. Yes, I'm sure they can figure that out. Okay. Right, let's get on with it. All right. Musical flourish. And away we go. Chapter 18. The line goes dead. Doesn't anybody say goodbye anymore? I head out of the kitchen and into the hallway, towards the living room. I stop in my tracks a few feet before the door, utterly befuddled. Although, obviously, I know what I should do. I should call the police. There's a man in my house who has just threatened my family and is holding them by force. I should get out of here while I can and get help from a neighbour. But I can't leave them. I lift the hall phone with trembling fingers and start to dial 999. But before I even reach the first number, the living room door bursts open. It's Bernard. Magenta! Didn't you hear me shouting? We're all in the living room, he says, normally. I stare, stupefied, at Bernard's face for a clue as to what's going on. He looks a little tense, but not as much as one might imagine. Just tense in a, we have an unexpected guest and we've run out of tea bags" sort of way. Just past him, I can see Lindsay curled up on a chair by the window, playing with her phone, also looking tense but tense in an I'm a teenage girl and everything makes me tense sort of way, but quite clearly not in a I've been kidnapped sort of way. Is Sheikh Fazir in there with Lindsay? I choke out. My heart is pounding in fright. Yes, says Bernard in a low voice. A low voice, Bernard. Yes. He steps closer and whispers suddenly, urgently into my ear. He's really bossy and he's very odd. Who is he? He didn't use a coaster even after I put one down just for him. Let's get tea for our guest, dear. Bernard bellows and then bundles me into the kitchen as if he fancies a cosy chinwag. I swing violently round to him. What are you doing? We've left Lindsay in there with him. What are you talking about? Says Bernard, bewildered. Didn't you hear what I said on the phone? I hiss, but before he has the chance to reply, I push past him, intending to rush to Lindsay's aid. A large, 
bear-like figure in long white robes appears in the kitchen door, blocking my way. Fazir. Hello, Magenta. He rumbles sonorously, black eyes beetling from under low, bushy brows. He smiles and reveals a broken front tooth. Air whistles through it like desert air through a bit of old pyramid or something. Fazir, Magenta, Magenta, Fazir. Bernard introduces us as if we're at a sodding cocktail party. We're not at a sodding cocktail party, Bernard, I screech. This man just threatened me on the phone. There's a short silence while the two of them look at me like I'm mad. He threatened me, and you as well, like they do on the telly when a family's been kidnapped. They say something like, if you want them to live, you better do as I say. Well, that's essentially what just happened. There's another pause. I look from one pair of confused eyes to the other for any sign of understanding. Why am I feeling awkward? I'd say the man who threatened my family should be feeling a little more awkward than me. Bernard looks embarrassed. <laughs> he says uncertainly. What? Fazir places a bear-like hand on Bernard's shoulder and squeezes in a brotherly fashion. Ah, I know. I think my English's not so good. I made a mistake when I talked to your wife. He says in his growly voice, eyes still fixed upon mine. I wanted to say on the telephone, come into the living room and we'll all be great friends. But perhaps I said it wrong. Perhaps I accidentally said... And he smiles again, the breath whistling through his broken tooth as if through the skull of a long-dead desert creature or something like that. Perhaps instead I said, if you want to see your husband and daughter again real soon, you better listen good. He pauses, eyebrows raised innocently. Is that what I said? Oopsie. I glared at Fazir, whose cheeks bunch up becomingly with good cheer. I'm so sorry. He says in the voice of a Hollywood villain. Well, sort of Hollywood villain, isn't it, Bernard? Well, I don't really know, is Why it? Why did we choose Scouse? I can't remember. Well, we, we, we decided that doing the actual accent of the, of the shake would be somewhat politically incorrect, so I'm doing a Scouse accent. Yes. Oh, yes, that's yes. Well, this, uh, but Scouse is all right. The Liverpoolians. Oh, yes, they're, they're terribly generous right. spirited. It's not, really, it's not really the voice of a Hollywood villain, though, is it? You well, know what no. it is, though? Extremely posh. Oh, I could do that. Maybe you should do that. Oh, all should we right. try that for a while? All right, we'll, we'll do Why that not? for a while. All right. I go with my gut. It's normally right. There's certainly something that I don't yet understand, but I haven't misunderstood Fazir's basic intentions. He did mean to threaten me. A thousand great big sorries. He growls wolfishly. What an odd choice, I say carefully, choosing to ring me from the living room. Why didn't you just come out and get me, Bernard? Bernard smiles tightly. It was Fazir's idea. He insisted. He, um, well, he hid behind the curtains to make the phone call. Lindsay and I couldn't actually hear what he said to you. Bernard clearly doesn't trust him either. Fazir has acted very eccentrically from the sounds of it. Lindsay! I yell at the top of my voice, making Bernard wince. Lindsay! I continue to bellow through to the other room. This is how most conversations are conducted with my daughter, so she won't think it's strange. We've run out of milk! Can you pop to the shops for us? That should get her out of the house. Not for long, though. Okay, Mum, comes the unusually willing response from the other room. She's obviously gagging to get out of here, too. Why don't you take a seat, Fazir? Please, I say, gesturing to the kitchen table. Fazir sits down in an elaborately alpha male fashion, splaying his legs beneath his robes and leaning backwards. He couldn't dominate the room more than if he had a weapon. <gasps> he might have a weapon. I hear Lindsay slam the front door on her way out and relax ever so slightly. 
Bernard's posture has changed. He's finally sensed the genuine threat of the man. Uh, maybe you should catch up with Lindsay and drive her to the shops, Magenta. He says, obviously wanting me out of the house while he deals with this unknown menace. No, no, says Vizier. It is Magenta I mainly wish to speak to, and this shouldn't take long. Please both sit. He says, gesturing towards the two chairs on the other side of the table, as if the house belongs to him. Bernard and I exchange a tense glance. Uh, I'll stand, says Bernard. I've got a dodgy back. Sit, bellows Vizier, making his jump about a foot in the air, although he's got a bit of a lisp because of the cracked tooth, so it actually comes out as... Shit! which both of us almost do in the circumstances. We sit. Now then, Vizier says, smiling. Let's get to business. Allow me to explain who I am. Vizier takes a cigarette out of a silver case and lights it with a match. He blows a plume of smoke and lounges back, his rather large stomach pushing into the edge of the kitchen table. Your husband, Derek. He starts. Oh, uh, my apologies. I speak of the first husband. He worked for my brother, in the March of 1989, my brother gave this Derek some valuables to hold for him temporarily. Unfortunately, my brother never picked them up because he met with an unfortunate accident. Fizzy's eyes flash. With a schmitter. Is that the big curvy sword? Bernard asks. He's always been interested in other cultures. Fizzy strokes his beard and eyeballs Bernard. Yes, the big curvy sword. A very dangerous weapon. My brother was vigorously polishing one when someone shot him in the back. A tube of ash drops from the cigarette onto my table. How annoying. I surreptitiously brush it away. Once I had finished mourning, it came to my attention that my Bit brother... Posher, Bernard. Go posher. Once I had finished mourning, it came to my attention that my brother was missing certain items. I found a letter that suggested they were in safekeeping with your husband. He says, looking across at me. Who I discovered was at that point in Switzerland, depositing the aforementioned items into a safety deposit box. Aforementioned! How about that? It was very good of him to keep my brother's things safe Posh, while he... Posh. It was very good of him to keep my brother's things safe while he, no doubt, tried to trace the family. I came to England to present myself to him and ask for what was rightfully mine. But imagine my surprise when I learned that he too had perished. Fazir taps more ash onto the table. I strongly suspect he's doing it on purpose. I thought you would perhaps go to Switzerland to pick up the items, Magenta. He says, looking at me appraisingly. And I had people watch your movements for quite some time. Good heavens! I hadn't sensed a thing. So much for my sixth sense. But when it became apparent that you were not going anywhere on holiday apart from Great Yarmouth... Fizzier sneers. It became more economical to employ someone at the bank to keep an eye on the box. And that's all I was able to do. Because I, the rightful owner, could not get access to it. I could only watch. I could only wait for twenty long years. Fizzier's eyes bulge with passionate anger. I find Bernard's hand under the table and we clutch at each other. Fazir breathes deeply for a few moments and calms down a little. You better make it a little more, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Passionate. Passionate. Right, yes. Posher and more passionate. Of course. I did not let the injustice consume me. I've been keeping myself busy. 
Intermediate Spanish, a felt crafting course, building the foundations of a global criminal enterprise. He says, stubbing out the cigarette in the plant pot on the table. But it was still most upsetting. A fist suddenly slams on the table. Why did you wait 20 years to claim them, you stupid woman? 20 years! And why did the people at the bank claim that it was Derek who opened the box? Derek is dead! How did they get that wrong? I looked at the CCTV footage. You opened the box, not Derek. Why did they think you were Derek? You fooled a Swiss bank. How? Explain these things to me. Fizzy got a bit burned there, but never mind. Doing, doing a very well, good I'm job. Doing, I'm doing my best, thank you. Very good. Well, I murmur, not wishing to excite him further. That would take some time. How about you tell us what happens next instead? You give me my items, of course. Vizier spits. He lights another cigarette and waits expectantly. There's a loaded pause as he awaits my reply. Do you mind not smoking? I say snippily. Vizier hesitates before throwing his head back to laugh in a quite frankly by-numbers cartoon villain fashion. Off you go, Ben. <laughs> He stops, spits on his fingers, and then pinches the glowing end of the cigarette, shaking his head darkly in amusement. Despite this, I sense that Vizier is not to be messed with. I briefly wonder how one decides to be a wrong un. Is it a single conscious decision or a gradual erosion of one's moral boundaries? I imagine no one ever believes they're actually evil. Even the murderers, the sex traffickers, the businessmen putting the bottom line before human life. We can justify almost anything to ourselves, I think, gazing vacantly at the pile of rune baskets I have stacked up on the kitchen counter. If I get out of this, I decide, I'll throw the geezers at the community centre a great big Christmas party, and maybe I'll bung them a few quid as well, and ease up their workload for the new year, or maybe just employ them on a legal basis. Whoops! This has been speaking. Which is why I found your ability to break into a high-security bank extremely interesting. In my line of work, stealth and deception are valuable tools. Azir leans into the table, his belly forcing it across the floor with an agonized squeal. It nudges my capacious bosom and stops. Would you like a job, Magenta? Bloody hell! No, I would not, I say. I will give you your items and then you can go. Fazir leans back. Fine. He says shortly. Apart from, of course, I can't. The UAPS has the painting. Shit. Although I've still got those ugly rings in my bag, which both me and Derek had clearly forgotten about. Fazir grins and pokes his tongue grotesquely through the gap in his broken tooth, like a naked mole rat in an igloo or something. He speaks. I may call on you again, Magenta for help with projects that could use your mysterious talents. His grin drops as quickly as it came. But for now, I will be satisfied with reclaiming what is rightfully mine. They're in my bag, I say, which is in the hallway. Vizier waves me off, and I scuttle out. The front door out to the street winks at me seductively. Figuratively speaking, again, I'm not in a Disney movie. But what can I do? I'm not leaving Bernard. I return to the kitchen, clutching my handbag, and stand at the table. Now, don't get excited, but there's a small problem. I begin. Bernard groans. Go on, groan, Bernard. No. I feel very sorry for Bernard. He's not able to take a very active role in this at all. It's all been about me and Derek and powers he wasn't even aware of. I might buy him a best husband mug after all of this. I've never done that for him. A cupboard full of best wife mugs and not one best husband. Oh, dear. 
Well... Demands Fazir, eyes flashing in a way that only villains and romantic heroes can manage. Oh, yes, the problem. (laughs) I clear my throat. I gave the painting to charity. There's no way of getting it back. I mean, there probably is. I doubt the UAPS chap has gotten round to selling it yet. He's probably still asleep. But I don't want to drag him into this. In fact, I don't want to do anything else that could be construed as morally dubious. But I still have the rings, I say brightly. I brace myself. Fazir's face is a mask as he stares at me, his body still. He'll kill us all! Oh, God! Hang on. I should glamour him. Oh, I can't believe I haven't tried that yet. What a pillock I am! And into the air around us, I project a magical wave of sweet bugger all. Because as soon as I try, it becomes very obvious that the images are staying firmly in my head. Oh, I've lost my powers. I'm just plain old fraudulent magenta again. Brilliant. To my surprise, Fazir does another one of his hearty supervillain laughs. Is that all right? Yes, baby. Okay. The painting? I had forgotten that miserable piece of shit. (laughs) He chuckles. Oh, I say faintly. My mind was consumed only by the rings. <laughs> the painting is, is quite valuable and I would have liked it back. He growls. But it is the rings I am most concerned with. The painting will remain a debt from you to me, Magenta. One that you can pay back in future by way of highly illegal and dangerous services for my global criminal enterprise. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. However, he doesn't want the painting back, so that eliminates that problem, thank goodness. So this should be fairly easy. Here you go, I say, and drop the linen-covered rings onto the table. Fazir unwraps them quickly with hairy fingers, inspects them, and clasps them to his face, muttering ecstatically. Are they worth a lot, then, I say, curiosity getting the better of me? They are priceless. Fazir bellows, rising to his feet. They are worth more than all the riches of the world. Really? They just look like a couple of shabby old rings to me. For these rings you see before you. Fazir continues, clearly feeling the need to explain. Or brag, no doubt. Classic villain. Ah, magical. Bernard puts his head in his hands. It's too much for him, poor love. You're having a laugh, I say flatly. Fazir holds the rings reverentially, lifting them aloft. With these rings... He intones, expanding upon his initial statement. I have the power to see beyond the veil and talk to the angels. <laughs> Leaks out before I can stop myself. What's that supposed to mean? Fazir says. Oh, no, no, nothing, I say. Oh, that's amazing. The angels, eh? I widen my eyes in awe. Cool, I about that. Fazir nods, apparently satisfied. He then pulls out a chain from his pocket and feeds the rings onto it before putting the chain over his head. They will remain next to my skin until I reach the motherland. He states solemnly, gazing into the middle distance. Bernard stands up. So, that, that's it, is it? He says briskly, holding out a hand. Fazir reflexively takes it and the two men shake. If so, maybe it's time you buggered off, eh? <gasps> Bernard states calmly, chin thrust out. Fazir's face darkens. Do not insult me, foolish man. He spits and then turns to look at me. You haven't seen the last of me, Magenta. You'll be back, will you? Says Bernard, unfazed. Yes, 
Yes, I will. When we least expect it? Well, I'll probably call first. Vizier says. But until then, goodbye. And with that, he sweeps out of the kitchen, narrowly missing Dave, who is lying in the doorway. As Vizier slams the front door shut behind him, Bernard and I fall into each other's arms. It's over. It's over. Bernard coos into my neck as we cling to each other. It's definitely over. <laughs> oh, what a place to put a typo! Yes, there's an actual typo in the book there, isn't it's there? It's definitely over. It's definitely over. God, this book! Well, I, I thought I'd just read it in, exactly as it was in case that was your original intention. No, it wasn't my intention, Bernard, as you well know. <laughs> oh, God. You know, at the beginning of all this, I said, do go on to Amazon and buy my book. Do not buy this book. It's imba- I'm embarrassed. Oh, although the next book in the series, Magenta 2, what is, what's it called? Uh, the Arcati Killer. No, that's it. Excellent title as well. That's not bad, I think, as far as my memory allows. But don't buy the first book. Eat diff. Let's do that last line again, because it should be better than that. Will. Bernard coos into my neck as we cling to each other. It's definitely over. There we go. But it's not over, because we've still got a few chapters left. So that's ironic. Madame Magenta was created and performed by Lindsay Sharman, with Lawrence Owen as Bernard. Music and sound design by Lawrence Owen. Artwork was by Claire Lafarge. You can follow Madame Magenta on Twitter at Madame Magenta UK. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can support it by going to coffee.com forward slash longcatmedia. That's ko-fi.com forward slash longcatmedia. For more information about this podcast, as well as our flagship drama series, Mockery Manor, please visit longcatmedia.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Welcome to Magenta Presents, a new horror anthology hosted by me, Madame Magenta. We begin with the five-part miniseries Ghosted, starring Beth Eyre and Lucy Roslin. Perched on a rain-battered cliff edge is a former lighthouse. It's a charming, quirky boutique hotel. Owner and sole occupant Beth has spent months renovating, absorbing its essence into her bones. It's an old building. You'll get used to it. But to Beth's horror, her first guest is a figure from a past she has tried to forget. Kira? Beth? What the fuck? Face to face for the first time in years, the pair must reckon with old mistakes, old grievances. Beth, speak to me. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! And something else. Oh, I can't bear it. What is that noise? Because the lighthouse has a past, too. Beth! He's right there. Why is there blood on your hands? We need to get out of here. Kira! (laughs) Kira! I can still see him! Subscribe to Magenta Presents wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon, fans of the esoteric. Bye!